Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, hey, critical inner voice, be quiet already. We talked to Dr. Stephanie Kreisberg about being an adult child of a narcissistic mother. Plus, Biz cleans house. Woo! It's my birthday and I'm calling the hotline. Hello. You said that people should call and leave woos, and I figured today was a good day to leave a woo because (laughs) it has been that kind of week where there's, like, good things and bad things. And it's my birthday, and I don't really know how to feel. My one-year-old had mouth surgery on Thursday. Today is Saturday. A couple days ago. Had mouth surgery. And that was somehow not traumatic, but feels like it should have (laughs) been. Where he's obviously still recovering. Probably, like, his sleep's not going to go back to normal, whatever that means. It's like a month. And he's on a ton of medication, mm. and, like, his, his eating is weird because he can't have any crunchy foods or a bottle or a sippy cup, but he refuses to let us feed him with a spoon or mm. any kind of straw or anything. So we have to find soft finger food that he likes, and then, like, the tiniest little open cup you've ever seen in your life. And it's, ah. like, it's, it's a mess. Is that going on? But we're home from the hospital, and he's doing great. Like, he really is doing so much better than we anticipated. And then, yes, my birthday. I'm 29. (laughs) I'm young and fun and hip and none of those things. (laughs) And I went out and got myself some free birthday treats around the town from Starbucks and Panera and old Bunt Cake and all these kinds of things, and it was great. And I'm rambling, but hey, it's a check-in. That's how I'm doing. How are you doing, Biz? I mean, besides doing a good job, because you're doing a good job. And so am I. Bye. Uh, oh, my God. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Or in Swedish, yamo haleva, yamo haleva. Anyway, first of all, you're doing such a good job. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Such a classic example of not knowing what's happening in somebody else's house. Okay, so let's just go right down. One, happy birthday. You are young and hip, and you are very good at taking advantage of free things for your birthday. That in itself is a genius. Then, oh my gosh, that it, it really is okay that it wasn't traumatizing for you. I I, like, and I, (laughs) I get it. Don't be surprised if it like shows up down the road a week, a year, maybe never. That is okay. Sometimes we just kick into care mode and the opportunity for us to process the experience our kid is having just sort of goes away. And you have clear instructions from your doctor about how to care for your child. It is one of the few times you have really clear instructions. That is amazing. 
as a person who has had a lot of mouth surgery and had to eat a lot of soft things, that is challenging. And I really can't actually imagine how challenging that must be for a one-year-old, unless the one-year-old just doesn't, like, I mean, maybe they're like, oh, this is the next phase of food. Soft things, right? So I think you are doing an amazing job. I am so glad that your child's surgery was successful and that they are recovering well. I am glad that you are taking care of yourself and you are just doing such a good job. Thank you for the check-in. It's true. I do like a check-in. So here's my check-in, everybody. I've had an epiphany. It's time to spring clean the One Bad Mother house. All right? It's been definitely a strange few years between the pandemic and saying goodbye to Teresa and all the personal upheavals that have come with me caring for my parents and moving them out there, as well as, you know, kids in my house. So in a nutshell, I've just been feeling pretty lost and unfocused <laughs> in the direction of one bad mother. Maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, it, whatever. But I've been wrestling with the questions of like, what is the point of the show? Is the show still have value in the parenting, podcasting, comedy landscape? And what am I okay with sharing, knowing that my kids are older? I don't know, what am I gonna do? Then in the midst of all that has been going on recently, our 500th episode will be coming up soon. And Max Fun Drive is just around the corner. And I like just woke up and I realized a few things. One, I really do love One Bad Mother. Okay. I love this community. I have been so honored to make this my job. And the joy from the insight and personal growth I have had as a result of hosting this show for over 10 years is really immeasurable. I am so aware of it every time I am faced with new challenging situations. And so I feel like as long as parents need to hear that they're doing a good job, then the show has value. I wanna keep speaking with guests who can help me better understand my kids and the things I struggle with as a self. And I want to continue to listen to diverse voices, share their experiences in parenting and in community and being selves themselves. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is that I'm ready to clean the house. Some things will sound different, but it will still be about seeing and supporting each other, speaking with smart, insightful people each week and basking in the genius fails and rants that we can all relate to. You know, less judging, more laughing. <laughs> oh, and I promise to be better at social media. So how can, <laughs> how can you help? Well, I really want this next leg of the One Bad Mother journey 
to include your voices more. So email us topics that you want us to get guests to come on and talk about. Email us guest ideas, because the show isn't just about who I want to talk to. (laughs) Plus, we're going to be growing the top of the show woo check-in to a live conversation with listeners. What's great is I haven't really given Gabe the full update on this epiphany that I've had, and it's been fun to watch his expression. So get better communicating with Gabe, Jack. So like, make sure that you just keep listening over the next few weeks, especially as these changes roll out. Keep an eye on Instagram and Facebook. And thank you, as always, for being part of and really for making the One Bed Mother community the amazing place it is. With all that said, stick around. and We're going to be back to talk to Dr. Stephanie Kreisberg about narcissistic moms. (laughs) See? Still relevant. Everybody, we have a Jumbotron. Woo! This is a Jumbotron for Laura Hope Hayes and her new book, Band Geeks. Band Geeks by Laura Hayes is a story about music and friendship for readers age 10 and up. Become a band geek with Cecilia and all her friends in their first year of band class. This book is available online wherever books are sold. Oh my gosh, Laura, good job writing a book. Sounds like a good young adult book. As a short-lived band geek, I am very excited that this exists in the world. So everybody, go and check out Band Geeks by Laura Hope Hayes. And remember, if you're interested in having a Jumbotron to give yourself a shout out or shout out somebody that you love, all you need to do is go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Oh, I hope they've got the bread bowl. Have you seen the bread bowl at this place? Mm -hmm. Good evening. Welcome to Maximum Fun. Have you been here before? It's her first time. Very good. Might I recommend our special? Oh, please. Can I interest you in the Max Fun Drive? I'm told they're cooking up something quite extraordinary this year. I've heard about this. With limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members? That's right. (laughs) We'll take it. How would you like your episodes? Uh, Can I get them excellent with new Boko on the side? Oh, are there live stream events? Absolutely. You know, if you're interested in events, Meetup Day is returning. What? Oh, you're going to love Meetup Day. It's the best. Okay, let me make sure I have everything. Max Fun Drive 2023 with limited time thank you gifts, live stream events, meetup day, excellent episodes, and of course, new bonus content. Sounds perfect. Great. We'll get it started and it'll be ready in two weeks, March 20th. Oh, can we also get a couple of waters? Of course. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Everybody, 
I am very excited to be welcoming Dr. Stephanie Kreisberg. She is a licensed clinical psychologist practicing out of Boston, Massachusetts, and has 30 years experience working with children, teens, and adults. She specializes in the treatment of anxiety disorders, and she also helps people who are struggling with narcissistics in their lives to lead happier, healthier lives. She is author of the book, Adult Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers, Quiet the Critical Voice in Your Head, Heal Self-Doubt, and Live the Life You Deserve, which was published in November of 2022 and is obviously not a surprise, an Amazon bestseller. I'm not sure. This is definitely... Dr. Kreisberg, one of those moments where no one is alone. If you think you're the only one, you're not. Mm -hmm. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Well, before we we jump into the delightfully entertaining topic of narcissism, Mm. I would like to ask you who lives in your house? Okay. Well, Currently, yes, um, I live with my husband, Ellis, and my dog, Shiloh, a 12-year-old cockapoo who acts like he is two. Um, <laughs> yes, he is young at heart. Yes. and um, But I do have two lovely daughters who are in their 20s, and, and they are no longer uh, living at home. <laughs> you did it! You did it! Did it. Good job. Yeah, it can be done. (laughs) I look forward to the day where I get to say, I live in my house with my husband, Stefan, and my cats. And everyone else is doing their own thing. (laughs) I I do. I I miss them. But, you know, this is what's supposed to happen, so they tell me. Yeah, that's right. That's supposed to happen. Okay, I want to get into this area of expertise that you have this you I mean you have a lot of areas that you excel at but I I do think you have had a tremendous amount of experience understanding and helping people who have experienced narcissism in their lives be it from a parent mm-hmm. and or other loved ones in their life and I want to start by asking just a really just I like to be this person who asks the thing that they assume everybody knows but them. Can you explain narcissism as well as narcissistic personality disorder? I remember when I had postpartum, it was so hard to talk about postpartum Mm -hmm. because people jump to postpartum psychosis because mm, that's what yeah. gets the news coverage. And mm-hmm. then people are scared to talk about it. And then people mm-hmm. don't, right? So is that the same with narcissism? Take me through it. Okay. Well, I think what you're saying about postpartum is that, you know, all mental health issues occur on a spectrum from more mild to more severe and in between. Okay. And that is the same with narcissism. Okay. Okay. So narcissism is a collection of certain behaviors and certain personality traits. And I'll get to that more in a minute. And it occurs on a spectrum. So you can have, you know, a few of these traits and behaviors, and maybe they show up 
sometimes, not all of the time, or depending maybe on what's going on in, in your life, or maybe you have a lot of them and they show up pretty much all of the time, okay? Right. And impact, your, really impact your, your functioning, your mood, your relationship, how you just perceive things. And when it's at that end of the spectrum, that's what we tend to call a personality disorder because it is pervasive. It mm. just colors all of your functioning. Okay. Okay. And, and it's not flexible. It's, it's rigid. And it's important to note that, you know, even if you have a few traits and they show up some of the time, you know, depending on the relationship that you're in or, or how those traits show up, they can still really impact somebody, somebody else. It can impact a relationship. Okay. So you don't have to have NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, which is a relatively small amount of the population to have an impact on someone in your life. Here, sorry, just I want to jump in with the question because, and I know that there's more for you to explain, but does a person, regardless of where they are on that spectrum, if they possess any of those qualities, like I know when I'm depressed, I know my depression, I recognize mm -hmm. those signs. Same with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So do I, is recognizing that you may have those characteristics, and is that the right word, characteristics? Mm -hmm. Is that something that somebody with those characteristics, is that something they're able to do? Really important question. And again, one of the hallmarks of narcissism is lack of insight into yourself, okay. lack of self-awareness. So, you know, what are some of the main characteristics? And, you know, there are a couple of different styles of narcissism. There's what we think of when we think of a narcissist is what we call the grandiose or overt narcissist, right? Okay. So this is the person who has the really big personality, really bold, really confident, thinks they're like, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, walk into the room and they just take over, super confident. Right. And this person, and this is common to both styles of narcissist, is lacks empathy, very critical of other people, has difficulty managing their own emotions, mm -hmm. thinks the world sort of revolves around them, thinks they're entitled to special treatment, thinks that they're really special, they're more important than other people. And yes, the key is has no awareness of this, has no insight into how they impact other people, may be very sensitive to criticism, mm. but really thinks that they are the most important person in the world and everything revolves around them and that they are entitled to special treatment by other people. And then can you imagine being, you know, the daughter or the child of this person or the spouse when, you know, you're not very important, right? You are supposed to pay attention to this person all the time and meet their needs. Your needs aren't very important. Right. So that's one type. So that's one type. Yeah. The other type we have is called, and there's some other types, but they're not <laughs> so relevant to this conversation, is okay. what's called a covert or fragile 
narcissist. Now this person, um, and this is not so well known. So this is a person who also feels that they are need to get their needs met by other people. They can't take care of themselves. Mm. They feel entitled to special treatment. But rather than having this, you know, illusion of I'm so special, I'm so important, I'm so great, walk into the room and everyone has to pay attention to them, they come across as maybe depressed, anxious, mm. fragile, needy. And in that sense, they sort of have everybody, you know, running after them, needing to take care of them. Okay. Ooh, that is a subtle one. It's, it's subtle. And so it's much harder to detect because it might seem like, oh, they don't think anything of themselves. They right. just, you know, are so fragile. If you criticize them, they just fall apart. They're not really functioning. But the truth is everybody revolves their life around meeting their needs and taking care of them at their own expense. A key thing is though, <laughs> underneath, yeah, they're sort of empty. Yeah all narcissists are really driven by pathological insecurity, whether they act like they are like the hottest thing going mm -hmm. or they don't really think anything of themselves. Okay. How much should I worry right now mm -hmm. <laughs> that I am a narcissist? Well, like all parents, you have a kid in your house. The moment that kid arrives in your house, you are constantly self-judging yourself mm. and like, oh, did that other person do that to help their kid get to sleep? That I am a horrible person because I didn't do that. Or I let my mm. child watch a lot of television. Oh, Whatever yeah. it is, let's all beat ourselves up and feel horrible. So now, in I mean, I already, and I think all of us wrestle with that, you know, mindfulness and self-care. Mm -hmm. Make the time for yourself, which is next to impossible. Even if you do have time, what are you going to do? Just sit there? Right. <laughs> you're going to get interrupted. So now, in hearing everything you're saying, I have to I have to ask, how, how do I know that I'm okay, that I'm not horribly scarring my children for life? You're welcome. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Well, First of all, I always say, if you step back and say, you know, what, what am I doing that's wrong? Right. It's not too likely you're a narcissist because <laughs> narcissists don't ask themselves right. these questions. Okay. They think that the problem is with everybody else. They are fine and dandy. Any problems that come up with somebody else or in the world or with their boss or at work, it's the other person's problem. It's the other person's fault. Okay. okay? You use the word self-judging. That does not come <laughs> into a narcissist's vocabulary. Okay. All right. That, thank you. Okay. <laughs> so that's, I think, a really good way to know. In terms of, did you ask, how do you not raise a child to be a narcissist? Is that something? Well, I was that? saying, how do I make sure I'm not raising my child to be messed up forever? But with that said, that's a better question. How do I, I feel like that's a jump to the end. But if I'm asking it, how do I, can, can I raise a child who's not a narcissist? Like, well, you know, I think. There are some things we know about that. I mean, okay. we don't totally understand narcissism. Honestly, it's hard to do studies about it. It's not yeah. like if you put up a sign looking for narcissists. <laughs> I mean, people are not yeah. going to run and sign up. But we do know a little bit about, about it. 
And so here are some tips about, okay, here are some tips from research about how not to raise a narcissist. Okay. One, you know, teach your kids empathy, Mm -hmm. model empathy for other people's feelings. Two, do not teach them that they are the most special, most important people in the world at the expense of other people. Yes, we all want our kids to feel special, but we don't want to teach them that they are entitled, Mm. that they are entitled to special treatment that other people don't get and model that for them. So, and I know that you would never do this biz, but that means like, (laughs) let's say if you're waiting in line and it's a long line and you're frustrated, don't cut in front of other people and say, oh, this is okay because we're special. Okay. Um, (laughs) Do you mean, do you mean because I get to cut in line because I'm a privileged, educated white woman. <laughs> right. I mean, that whatever kind of it thing. is, I just like know thyself. Right. But like, I but I agree. I think that so that is a great point with the like the line cutting. I mean, that's like one of the big things when I think about kids in school. You can't mm-hmm. cut. No cutsies. No, you know, mm-hmm. you can't cut in line. It's like the uh, ultimate, you know, sort of empathy, anti-narcissism lesson that kids create on their own, as mm-hmm. opposed to somebody telling them that they understand that sense of fair and not fair. And I'm feeling much safer because the idea of cutting right. in line is so I'm on time. That means I'm 15 minutes early. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. The other side of that coin yeah. is really make sure to pay attention to your kid's feelings. Yeah. Okay. That Mm. doesn't mean, you know, that you do everything that they want, but you want to, you know, notice your kids feelings, validate what they're feeling. You know, if your kid comes home and they didn't get invited to a birthday Mm. party, let's say you want to say, wow, you know, that sounds hard. You seem really disappointed. I'm sorry about that. You validate their emotions. Whereas a narcissistic parent, fragile narcissistic parent might fall apart, might get really upset and depressed themselves because their kid Mm. was left out. And then the kid feels like they need to comfort the parent or the grandiose parent might say, what did you do? It's so embarrassing to me that you didn't get invited to that party. What did you, what did you do? What did you say to that child that they didn't invite you to that, to that party? So validate, empathize with your kids. I got to say, I, the things that you just described, I, I can think of many friends that I had growing up whose parents were somewhere on that spectrum, whether it be pitting, you know, two best friends, pitting their kids against each other a little, mm-hmm. you know, can be a wide so-and-so is made the cheer team. Why didn't you Mm -hmm. make the cheer team? Right. Or even my own father, who like when he became vice president of public relations for a university, his mother's first response was, why not president? Mm. Right. So one of those classic jabs. And, you know, I also have had the friends who take care of their parents. So there's no question that 
people who are narcissistic, whichever camp they fall in, that that has a deep impact on the children that they are raising. Mm-hmm. So my my question is, how does someone who grew up with that environment, how do they begin to move forward? Because it's not like it turned them into narcissists, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it created a whole list of other problems. How mm-hmm. do they move forward. I mean, in your book, by the way, everybody, the book is very much a workbook on, you know, in terms of how to process and work through this and recognize things. But but I am going to ask you, how does one begin that process? Okay. Well, thank you for asking that. Well, I think the first step is really education and understanding, is really understanding like who was my my parent? Mm-hmm. What was happening? So that you understand how you were impacted. You know, people often, you know, come into my practice and feel like, well, you know, maybe it was my fault. Yeah. She acted this way. You know, I caused it. And maybe if I'm still, you know, act better, if I just say the right thing or, or you know, do the right thing, you know, she'll change. She'll be nicer. Oh, babies. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I call it hope springs eternal. Yeah. And so really understanding that this is how this person is. And it probably isn't their fault. It is a combination of, you know, their wiring mm-hmm. and how they were raised and their temperament and experiences. You know, you didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't change it. That's, I just stole that line. It's a really good line from a 12-step program, okay? But, <laughs> so really being able yeah. to, but it's easier said than done, okay? But once you start to understand that, then it's really becoming aware of how you are triggered, not only by the parent who may not even still be alive or you may not talk with very much, but what kind of situations trigger for you, the feelings of self-doubt, I don't count, I need to take care of other people at my own expense, you know, what we sometimes call people-pleasing, Yeah. you know, I need to do too much, what triggers that for you, you know, if your boss says you need to stay late every night for the next month and you feel like you can't say no to them, mm. You know, what does it feel like for you being able to identify that, being able to identify your feelings, learn to put them into words? That's some of the first steps. Okay. That, as a longtime therapy lover and goer, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that's still hard. And I think one of the things I try to do with this podcast is recognize that we are all in different situations, and especially if there are kids in your house, mm-hmm. it can be hard to find that space to do that self-evaluation, right? Mm-hmm. To even pick up the phone to call a therapist and yeah. find, you know, somebody. And because this feels like it has such a, I don't think sinister is the right word, but sneaky, like subtle impact on people. How do those of us who 
have people in our lives that have experienced this sort of relationship with their mother or their parent, how do we support them? How Mm -hmm. do we help them? How do we be more mindful? I am always looking for ways to not be a jerk. Mm. And it's just so easy to be a jerk all the time, not knowing that you're being a jerk, right? Mm -hmm. Like thinking that you're saying something supportive, but it's actually dismissive. So what are ways to support those dealing with this? Yeah. You know, I'm really glad you asked that question because it's not a question people ask a lot. And here's the thing. For instance, you know, the women who come into my practice who have narcissistic mothers Mm -hmm. feel so much shame. They, you know, they feel like what is wrong with me that I have this terrible relationship with my mother. You know, we live in a culture that, you know, just kind of <laughs> reveres mothers. Well, um, but yes, reveres, but doesn't support. Correct. Well, <laughs> reveres, that's true. So true. Does, I mean, not, you know. <laughs> does not support. That's uh, right. You talked about that in your podcast with Jessica Gross, right? Oh, yeah, with Jessica uh, Gross, right. Right. And they feel isolated. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about it with other women um, or with other people. You know, especially around times like holidays, you know, they just really feel, feel it even more. So one idea is if someone does say something to you like, oh, you know, my relationship with my, you know, mom is, is, is not, is not so great. Just say something really, you know, empathetic, neutral, simple, like, oh, that, that sounds hard. Yeah. Usually what women hear is, oh, you know. Everyone's got a, you know, yeah, a mother a mom sometimes. That's be, that's a mother, you know, that's how it is. It feels so mm. devaluing and women feel so misunderstood. Well, I think about that like you know, this larger narrative like we said about mothers in general. I think that there is a storyline of mothers and daughters are supposed to have difficult relationships sometimes, or Mm -hmm. that like even cutesifying the jealousy impact. So that, that just adds, I'm sure this layer of feeling like people don't hear you Mm -hmm. when you say it. And it is easy to say, oh yeah, my mom was, you know, also a jerk, right? But mm-hmm. they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. <laughs> you know? right. They weren't even close to being the the same. And right. that's again dismissive. So I think that is such a a valid point. I gotta imagine if you were in a relationship, there are triggers going off all the time for mm-hmm. a person who who essentially either took, I especially think about a friend of mine who really took care of her. I mean, she was, her mother was, I don't know, a teenager forever, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Had a lot of issues, constantly calling my friend and asking that they come over right now to take care of something. And you don't Mm -hmm. love me if you don't. And, you know, all this just screwed up stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just hate it. I hate yeah. that. I hate that for, I hate that 
Yeah, I hate it too. And um, and so I love this. I love this conversation. So some of the other things that come to mind is, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, if someone says they have a tough relationship with you, don't don't devalue it. You know, like oh yeah, all mothers and daughters, like mm-hmm. because this is at a different level. Like I can't tell you how many women I've worked with whose mothers, you know, didn't go to their high school or college graduation. Not because, you know, they couldn't get there or it was too hard. It's because you mentioned the word jealousy because narcissistic mothers are deeply jealous Mm -hmm. and competitive with their daughters. And so they don't want to do things that celebrate their daughters, the kind of things that, you know, you and I, as a mother, we just revel in those things. Right. Yeah, we have signs that will definitely embarrass our children that we hold up and right. wave at just like my parents did for me, right? I mean, right. <laughs> but a narcissistic but, mother um, might say like, oh, you know, why would I why, why would I go to that? You know, everybody graduates from high school, you know. What, what? That, Yeah, that's not a that's not a big deal. Right? Ah, so Creesberg, I hate it. <laughs> you know, things that you just can't imagine. So, just you know, and some other points are if somebody says, you know, you heard their mother died. I mean, don't Ugh. assume that this is, I mean, this sounds terrible. It really does. I know. But don't assume no. it's a grievous loss. You I, know, for some women, it is a relief. Yeah. It is I, relief for them. It, that um, is very uh, true. So it doesn't mean you, you know, slap them on the back and say congratulations, (laughs) but, you know, you don't have to, you know, say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's so terrible because they can't match those feelings. So, you know, because, you know, you can kind of find a response that seems appropriate, but don't assume Mm. that, for instance, if you were devastated by the loss of your mother, and obviously some people are don't assume that a friend or somebody else, another woman is, or another person. Okay. Right. No, that's, that's helpful. It, not just in that situation, but that in a number of, see, that's where that easy to step in it yeah. moment happens. Oh, wow, I love being pregnant. So I'm going to assume every person carrying a baby around loves it, which is not right. true. Or my, my favorite is the it's Mother's Day and people just handing out roses and saying Happy Mother's Day to any woman who walked by mm-hmm. and without even beginning to appreciate that they probably aren't a mother or may be struggling with becoming a mother or may have never wanted to or had a difficult relationship with their mother. Right? That's like, right. So, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, we have to wrap up, but I do want to know what is... What is something that you feel I should be asking you or that you really want to emphasize to me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I think you've asked great questions. I would say that, you know, people who are in relationships with narcissists struggle with incredible self-doubt. They second-guess themselves. They feel like they don't know what their emotions are. Sometimes they just have a sense of, I don't know who I am. And that can get better. You know, it can. They can learn to figure out what the triggers are. Mm. How to set boundaries with other people is really important. How to say no. 
how to find out who they are and to be assertive and take care of themselves and listen to their own voices, not their mother's voice. I, you know, I realized we didn't, that reminded me of a question that I didn't ask, but I, we sort of touched on it at the beginning. It feels like one of the most challenging things, especially for someone who grew up with a narcissist, as part of the self-healing process and moving forward process, for lots of things, it's, I'm going to forgive and now we can move forward with that. This feels like the type of work in which part of the work is accepting that that person in your life will never understand that they had an impact on you, that there will never be a closure that a non-narcissistic person might have, that that kind of closure that I think we deem sort of traditional as we work Mm -hmm. through issues uh, from our past, that feels like something that a person might not get. Is that correct? That's correct. The chances of that are, are unfortunately slim to none. So one of the things right. someone has to do is really mourn, grieve the loss of that relationship yeah, that they yeah. never had. It doesn't mean they have to not be in a, have a relationship with that person, Sure, but mourn, you know, the mother I never had, the mother I never yeah. will have. And then figure out, well, maybe how can I have lunch with this person? You know, because I, I, some people decide they don't want to see that person at all, but some people decide, well, I do want to have lunch with her sometimes. Yeah. How can I handle myself so that I am not so impacted by that person? Because I know she is who she is. And it's like I say, the sun rises in the east, it sets in the west. There is nothing we can do, but that's the way it is. And how can I accept that, accept my feelings about it, Mm. and move on? Dr. Greensberg, thank you so much. I really appreciate that this is something you've dedicated your life to helping people with. So I appreciate that. Everybody, Everybody knows how to find books, but because we're all too busy, I'm going to make it very easy. We're going to link everybody up to where you can very easily get a copy of Adult Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers, as well as more information about Dr. Kreisberg and her practice and her work and all the things that she's done. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, even though I know, believe me, it's, it's not an easy topic. And, you know, I do this all the time. So thank you for taking a risk. I appreciate that so much. And thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. Where am I? On Maximum Fun. What do you want? A podcast miniseries about The Prisoner. Whose side are you on? That would be telling, but okay, I'm on my own side. It's one of my favorite ever TV shows. We want a podcast on it. A Prisoner podcast. You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? I'm Elliot Kalin. Who is number one? Jesse Thorne. But you are John Hodgman. I am not a Prisoner podcaster. I am a free man. (laughs) 
Oh, are you okay? <laughs> Elliot, are you all right? Okay, I'll watch it. All four episodes of The Potting You are out now. Hey, you know what it's time for? This week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Genius me, 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 me. Okay, I will genius me, 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 me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. I paid Ellis to shred stuff that has been sitting on the shredder for a year. It was a big pile. And I paid a flat rate. And they did it. They did it. And now the corner of my bedroom where the shredder was stacked a good two feet with papers that needed to be shredded now is reasonable. So, good job, me, Paying for needed services. Hi, I have a genius, and I think this is the best genius I have ever had, not only in my five years of parenting, but just in my entire 34 years of life on this earth. (laughs) And I had to think about, am I 34? Anyway, back up a little bit. My husband goes on an annual hiking trip every year in February frigid it's like a no significant other thing anyway he's gone for the whole weekend so he left yesterday which was friday and i'm home parenting my two children who are three and almost five but they were you know at daycare all day friday and i called off work sick on friday i wasn't sick (laughs) oops but i did do things that i don't normally do like put away my laundry, go through a bunch of shit. Basically, I did all the chores that I would normally do on the weekend on Friday while my kids were at daycare and my husband was gone. And then I picked up my kids and sent them on a play date with the friend that lives across the street and played video games at home by myself. (laughs) And then I went and got my kids, put them to bed, which was surprisingly not as difficult as you might think. You know, prying them from a play date and then, like, getting them cleaned up. Anyway, that was fun. And then I went to bed early and didn't feel guilty about not staying up to have adult time with my husband because he wasn't there. And I slept until my children woke me up at 6 a.m. And I packed them up and dropped them off at Grandma's for the weekend. <gasps> so, yeah, I have a whole weekend to do whatever I want. And I don't have a whole bunch of chores to do either. And I didn't make any plans because I waited until it actually happened. Like, <laughs> I'm calling right now, and I dropped my kids off at Grandma's less than five minutes ago. But, yeah, so now I get to sit and figure out what the fuck I'm going to do for the next, I don't know, 24 hours. But I'm a genius for setting all this up the weekend that my husband's out of town. Not that I don't love him. He's great. But, oh, my God. Ah, I'm doing a great job. Thanks, Miss. <laughs> 
Oh my God, you are doing such a good job. You are living all of our fantasies right now at this moment. Wow, so many smart things happened here. One, taking the day off on Friday. That was so genius. And getting all the chore things done out of the way. (gasps) And I thought that was going to be it. I thought that was going to be it. And going to sleep early. I thought, that's it. She's nailed it. And then you laid the bomb that you let your children spend the weekend at the grandparents. And I was like, oh, (laughs) jaw drop on the floor. I see you. You have to, oh, and let's don't forget the genius of not making plans. That was so smart. The moment you start making the plans is the moment that those plans will change. So good, good, good job. You are, in fact, a fucking genius. Failures. Fail, 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 fail! You suck. Okay. Well, you know, like there's, we all have subtle clues that let us know that perhaps we need some rest or maybe our mind is in too many places. Uh, I have a few. One is the dropping things in my hands. And it always sucks when it's something I really care about, like you know, a mug that was part of a whole set of mugs. We're down to like four mugs, by the way, everybody. The wedding mugs, we're down to four. But the other signal that I need something is when I do the following fail, and it's been a while, but there I stood in front of the uh, coffee bean grinder and the milk frother in my house, very confidently about to pour the beans into the frother. And then I said, oh, that's not where they go. And then I just put them like in a drawer. And that, that's not where they go. They, they usually, I usually stick them back in the freezer. And then I just stood there and I was like, well, none of that. None of that was okay. And I told Stefan And Stefan just patted me on the head and was like, you know, I see you. I recognize that that we're in that place where uh, things will not be where they're supposed to be. So, great. Hi, Biz. You're doing a great job. Me? Eh. Uh, This is a fail. (laughs) I'm calling in because I'm just so frustrated I went to a night out thing with some friends. I did a paint and sip. I like to paint. I've done these before. It's something I try to schedule occasionally to give myself that that reason to go out and do something therapeutic. And I have one scheduled, and my partner has, like, a something going on with his ankle and his foot, and he basically he can't walk. And I said, hey, are you okay? Do you need me to not do this? Because... You know, the six-year-old child that lives in our house is a lot at night, <laughs> and <laughs> you can't walk and chase her around in any way. And we have two big dogs and yada, yada. And he said, no, I'm fine. You should go. So my feel is, is that I uh, listened to him, and I did that. And, <laughs> I mean, I had a nice time, I guess. Like, it was okay. But I was worried about 
hurrying so I could get home because I didn't want to leave him too long. And then I felt silly about worrying about that. So I have all this, like, unnecessary anxiety building up. And then uh, when I do come home, um, our child has had, like, an accident because her tummy has been bothering her. And so she, like, tried to fart and a little bit came out. And Mm. um, he couldn't really help her with it. She kind of had to, like, take care of it herself, which, um, you know, was a so-so job that then required further cleanup when I got home. And then one of the dogs threw up for no apparent reason. And um, my partner couldn't, like, really get down there to take care of it. And so there was mm. just, like, paper towel on top of it waiting for me. And then my partner felt horrible because yeah. he's basically mobile and he couldn't do anything. And he had to just save everything for me when I came back from this super fun thing I did. And uh, I should have just stayed home. And, um, yeah, so I'm a big fat fail. Thanks. Have a good one. <laughs> Yeah. How dare you think you could go out and have a good time? I mean, what's the lesson here, everybody? We are the only people who can do anything that needs to be done. Don't ever forget it. Never share responsibility or lean on anyone else. That sucks. Guy, obviously, all of that was me being facetious. (laughs) That sucks. It, it, the fail really, I do, I do totally get this fail. I'm going to go out. I'm going to trust my partner. And you were right to do that. And your partner was right to offer that, right? Like, but I, I myself have ruined many a good time by rushing, overthinking, and over worrying. You know, we could go into a much longer discussion of, is it even worth going then? I do think it's worth going. One day we will stop worrying and ruining our own good fun. And (laughs) it's just such a unnecessary, like, we all, everything you said about what you came home to makes total sense. Your partner is doing such a good job. They really are. But I bet they felt like they were failing on multiple, putting a paper towel over it. Like, I, surprise, we left you something. I, God, I am right here with you in this epic, I mean, really, let's just, let's just put blame where it needs to go. And that is on everyone. All of, as a family unit, failure is happening. I hope you enjoyed your art. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. Everybody, it is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, I don't know if this is a genius or a rant. I don't think it's a fail. But I know a lot of time on your show, from what I've listened to so far, a lot of the time people call in explaining that they hate pumping. And I just want to say sometimes, like, I hate it. I don't care for it. I feel like a cow sometimes. But I have to be thankful for it because it at least gives me extra breaks at work. Don't want to be a meanie. I just go and pumping. I have to go. Uh, 
I get a nice little break away from work for a minute while I'm pumping. So it's fabulous. It's, it's fabulous for that reason. I just, just calling to say, but I'm thankful for pumping sometimes. Thanks. I hope you find this hilarious. Bye-bye. I do find it hilarious. And also the perfect example of how messed up everything is. One, you are doing a very good job. I really see this as a genius and rant. That is a possible combination. Let's start with the genius. That is using the fact that you need to pump throughout the day to give yourself some space and a break when you need it. And to, in general, avoid work-related things that you don't want to do. So that is making lemonade out of lemons, okay? That is good. I do want to give you the space and tell you that I really see you when it comes to not always enjoying pumping. You do feel like a cow. I mean, you are legitimately hooked up to a machine that is... I mean, I don't know where you're pumping. When I was pregnant and worked in the corporate world, there was no privacy room. And I remember my boss pumping in the bathroom stall. And I remember like long before I had a kid walking in there and being like, what is even happening in that room? And then it all like coming together and then being one step further from being a complete asshole. So that <laughs> so that was good. Um, but the having to like pump at work in public, I mean, look, even if you are very, very pro- breastfeeding and the stars aligned and you are able to do it successfully and without pain or discomfort, pumping is still not fun, okay? So I just want you to know that it is okay, and you already know this because you called it in, it's okay to appreciate the benefits that you personally as a self get (laughs) from pumping while at work. And it is also okay to say you don't like it sometimes. It's not the best. Both things get to exist in the world. I hope you have a private place to do it. And I hope you've got something that you watch or you like to read while you're doing it. I see you. And you are doing a good job balancing all of the feelings that come with this thing you've chosen to do. Good job. Everybody, you are all doing an excellent job. I am excited about moving forward with One Bad Mother, and I am excited about all of the little tweaks that we're going to make over the coming weeks. I appreciate the support that you give this show and that you give me. You are all doing a very good job. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to load.
down Mama Blues I got to slow down Mama Blues Got to slow down Mama Blues Slow down Mama Blues Got to slow down Mama Blues Got to slow down Mama Blues You know that right We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, fussing by, not low down Mama Blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, fussing by, not low down Mama Blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.